Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. It's so good to be together in a new way this morning. This is our first ever weekend of worship And I'm just so excited to work through scripture together and learn a little bit about worship and and just spend some time at the feet of Jesus this morning. I bet today, um, if I asked you how your week went, you could give me some highs and some lows, yeah? I think even as I may be saying that, some of you are like getting flooded with thoughts of positive things and maybe some negative things. Um, that happened this week. And so today we're gonna look at scripture and song and and look at how worship can be incorporated into our everyday highs, into our everyday lows. And to do that, we're gonna start in 1 Samuel and we are going to uh, look at David, King David. Um, If you haven't met David before, let's meet David. I'm talking about the little guy that is famous for his, his little slingshot going against the giant. Um, and we look at him in 1 Samuel 31 through 8, and we see him coming back from war. He's King David at this point, and he's returning with his troops, um, and they come back to their camp to find it burnt to the ground and their families captured and taken. And you can read in 1 Samuel about just the weeping that David and his troops do and I think he kind of like, kind of hit a low in his week, right? And he, he looked to Jesus and was like, what is going on? Um, and so as they went through his thoughts, I admire an action that David took and something that I just want to challenge us all with today. David asked the highest priest for his ephod. An ephod. And it, what an ephod is, it's in a garment that the high priest wore Um, when they went into the presence of God. So David didn't know what to do, but David knew to turn to Jesus. And what I admire about him is he wasn't going to God and worship because he was happy. And if you don't believe me, you need to go read 1 Samuel 30 because it, it goes into like descriptions of their sorrow. But amidst his sorrow, when he didn't know what to do, He went to Jesus and he worshiped. And I think that we can all gain some perspective on our highs and lows. A lot of times in life we kind of think of worship and we relate it to ways that we rejoice or that we are glad or we go to Jesus with happy hearts. In this circumstance, we see how David went to the Lord in sorrow. You see, when we choose worship... We get past the enemy's lie that we're too weak to handle it. Because in verse 6, it says that David found strength in the Lord, his God. And when we choose to worship, we get rid of that lie of the enemy. I know that's the first thing sometimes that creeps into my mind is, I just can't do this. But when we choose worship, we're acknowledging that I can't do this, but God can. What if, what if we were trained, we trained our hearts 
to be conditioned that it didn't matter what was going on our day, but rather it be a high or rather it be a low, that our heart's immediate response would be to worship Jesus. In those moments of highs, those moments of confusion, those moments of sorrow, we didn't pick up the phone, we didn't go to our social media, we didn't get lost in entertainment, but we turned our eyes to the one who made us, created us, and loves us, and works all things together for our good. What if we just started learning to choose worship first.
again references Jesus as our shepherd and we as sheep. And so I got to thinking, like, I mean, Jesus very intentionally chose things and different stories to share. And I, why, why does he keep referring to us as sheep? <laughs> and so I did some research this week and try not to get as offended as I first did, but this <laughs> might be some reasons why Jesus referred to us as sheep. Sheep, first of all, actually require, I wasn't aware of this, but a lot of careful handling and direction. In fact, if sheep were left alone, they would just graze over the same area again and again until they literally ate the root of the grass and destroyed the land. Sheep also have a very strong instinct to follow the sheep in front of them. So it's been told that Sometimes sheep will even jump off sides of cliffs <laughs> because the other sheep in front of them did that. And lastly, sheep have a horrible sense of direction. The rest of the herd could be just nearby and the sheep that's not far away could be completely lost. And these are just a few reasons, but if you're like me, you might be sensing maybe some similarities Maybe not to how you think, but sometimes how we spiritually sway. You see, a shepherd is vital to the livelihood of his herd. And it's through his skill and his relationship with his sheep that he's able to care for them, to carefully guide them sometimes through the mountaintops, sometimes through the valleys, along the steep cliffs. He's able to do that because he knows when to go ahead of them, he knows when to go beside them, and he knows when to go behind them. He knows these things and is vital. His relationship with those sheep are vital. And you wanna know what the job of the sheep is? The job is to listen for their shepherd, for they don't know where he might be standing, but he will always be there and he's carefully guiding them. They just have to listen. Can't it be so hard? I, as I was just praying for today, it just kind of reminded me of white noise, right? Because there's so much going on in our lives. It's like sometimes it's my car radio or sometimes it's just, you know, even traveling from one place to another and as a busy mom, that's my time of quiet. But I'll like just, you know, like have to pick up my phone and make a phone call or scroll through social media. And I sometimes take off, out, like out those silent moments where I need to just be listening for my shepherd. In life, there are gonna be times where the grass looks greener or the path ahead of us looks dark and foreboding. And we have to really use 
our faith and our trust in Jesus and our shepherd and that relationship with our shepherd that he's going to get us through. Because there have been times in my life that I know that I've seen that dark path and I've, I've opted out. And personally, that didn't really end up well for me. I was that sheep not very far away from the flock but felt totally lost. So it's my challenge to you today that when we get in these life moments, our ups, downs, and our borings, I should say, that we've, we look to Jesus. We worship him regardless of what we're in. And that we take some time to just sit at the feet of Jesus. Wherever we're at, that might be your car, that might be your bedroom, that might just be the shower or the bathroom. And just listen for his voice. Laura's gonna read Isaiah 30, 18 through 21. And as a sheep, I'm just gonna ask you maybe to just close your eyes and meditate on these promises from our shepherd. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Talk about a dark path that we have to follow Jesus down sometimes. When we look at Genesis, we see a guy named Abraham, and he's such a great example of following Jesus in obedience even when the path is dark. You see, Abraham was promised a son for his namesake, and he waited a very long time. I thought I had to wait a long time for kids, but his wife Sarah was 90 years old when they conceived their son and um, had their son Isaac. And life seemed to be going well for them as a family of three um, until one day God asked Abraham to do something unique and that was to go up the mountain with his son and he asked Abraham to sacrifice his son as an offering to the Lord. And I don't know um, how Abraham must have been processing all of this as he thought, well, Jesus, you promised me this son. This is, was something I waited for and a long awaited. And, and uh, you know, Abraham didn't know what to do. Abraham didn't understand. But much like David, Abraham obeyed. He ventured up that mountain, and I can't imagine how his heart must have been racing that entire time. He got to the top, and he was with his son, and they built this altar. And right before Abraham went to sacrifice his son, you know what God did? He stepped in, like he always does. And God provided. And in Abraham's story, he provided with a ram. And he said to Abraham, well done, you were obedient. 
but I don't need you to sacrifice your son today. I'm going to provide for you in this ram. And you know what? God doesn't just provide himself with a substitute for Abraham, but he provided for all of humanity. You see, he sent his son as a sacrifice, as the lamb, as the offering for all of our sins. When he sent Jesus to earth, as he walked through Golgotha, carrying his cross and died on that hill, he was the substitute. You see, that day was a day that changed eternity because he provided for our deepest need. For us to someday to be able to be with Jesus and for the Holy Spirit to be able to be alive and present today. And for that, I'm grateful. In scripture, when the Bible was written, names were given with a very intentional purpose. So when they named their children, it wasn't just, you know, something that maybe like my husband and I, we were just like, ooh, what do we want to name our kid? <laughs> they had a real like reason and meaning and purpose. Um, and throughout scripture, you'll see the Lord referred to as many different names. But after that day, that God provided for Abraham. It's the very first time in scripture that we see him called Jehovah Jireh. And he was called Jehovah Jireh because it means God will provide. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I worry. I worry about the things that are going on in my life and I wonder how I'm gonna get through things and what's gonna happen. And I just wanna assure you today, that when we come to the Lord and we look to him with worshipful eyes, we sit at his feet and just listen for direction. It is a promise. God did it for Abraham. God did it on the cross. And God can do it in your career. He can do it in your marriage. He can do it in your family. He can do it for your children's lives. And I don't know how you need God to come through for you today. But I know he's a good God. A God of his word. He is Jehovah Jireh, and he will provide for his children. More than uh, Uncle Ken and more than uh, Nephew David, today I really believe you are God's spokesperson for us. Mm. We are in the middle of a series called Peace of Heart, Peace of Mind, mm. and I don't want to assume that everyone has heard your story, so yeah. it, it's unbelievable, but go ahead and give us, it's not the short version, but tell yeah. us the tragedy that happened in your life years ago. Yeah, our life had a major tragedy in 2015, the fall of 2015. At the time, we were church planters in Indianapolis, and things were starting to move along. Church was starting to grow. We were starting to actually think that it was going to take, and then um, uh, we kind of felt in, we were in a good season, you know, really content with life. We had, uh, and this was with my late wife, Amanda, we had a 15-month-old, um, Weston, and then in November, on November 10th of 2015, I went to the gym early in the morning and came back and um, walked in and found Amanda uh, face down on our living room floor in a, in a pool of blood. And, um, you know, to save all the, the details of kind of the ensuing next 24 hours, essentially what we found out that happened was that three men had broken into my house while I was away at the gym and she got caught up in the scuffle of that and they, they shot her three times. Um, and so on November 11th, 2015, 24 hours after 
uh, we we admitted her to the hospital and and you know all of that. Um, she was she was pronounced officially deceased. Um, so she passed away and and then um, obviously rocked our world and turned everything upside down. And so at the time she was 13 weeks pregnant with our second. So not only did I lose Amanda but also um, Evie Grace Everett Grace uh, is is what we were going to name our little girl. So. Then I have to keep going back to the fact that God has promised in his word that he gives us grace for the moment mm. and that he, and I've experienced that, you know, there are often times people will come to me and say, I don't think I could go through what you went through and respond the way that you've responded. And I look at them, I say, do you have the Holy spirit living inside of you? Cause you're, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have the Holy spirit inside of you, you have the, literally the presence of God residing in you. That same, that Holy Spirit is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And so it wasn't me that responded in the way that I responded. It was the Holy Spirit in me and through me that responded. And so if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he will give you the grace and the mercy in that moment that you need. And so we can't um, unnecessarily try to preempt how am I going to have the strength and the fortitude in and of myself to walk into that moment because we never know when that moment's going to come. And so what we have to do is we have to, we, we have to do the, the right things of just leaning into the presence of God and spiritual disciplines leading up to it. We call it training for the trial that you're not yet in. And then knowing that God's going to show up in those moments, whether it's a tragedy in your life or whether it's a, 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 you know, a, a situation that you don't feel equipped for or whether it's something that you know is going to be emotionally draining like this trial whenever that takes place. We know that God's going to show up and give us grace for the moment. It's a preparation it's stage. And you can, you can only see it in retrospect looking back. You can see, oh, there were some situations or some things or some insights or some truth that God revealed to me in these moments that were really profound that almost began to prepare my heart for what we were about to walk into. And that's part of God's grace. And I can't tell you, Ken, how many people that on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast that we interview have gone through all kinds of different tragedy or trauma. They'll say the same things. Mm-hmm. And they'll look back and they'll go, oh my gosh, God was in the details of these things. And that just brought another level of comfort to know God was with them even prior to this taking place. So I love being able to pick out and see those metaphors of when God is preparing you for it. But I think that's the first stage. It's like the pre-stage of it. Then you have the tragedy. And I think you're right. There is a, a, a moment in that tragedy where there is shock, where there, you are on kind of autopilot. And I believe that I call it oftentimes sponge seasons of life, that whatever was already in you, when life squeezes you, it's going to come out of you. And so that's why, again, it is really important to make sure that when you are not in a season of dependence on God or desperation for God, when you're kind of more on the mountaintop experiences or you're kind of cruising through life, things seem to be going well. It's, it's so imperative to create and build a de- discipline of dependence on God so that that becomes muscle memory when the tragedy hits. It, you got to build your house before the storm comes. That's exactly right. Matthew 7, right, talks about how there's a wise man and a foolish man. Wise man built his house on the rock. Foolish man built his house on the sand. And it says when the storms came, mm-hmm. right, the storms were not biased. The storms didn't go, oh, that foolish man, he's susceptible. He's easy. I'm going to come after that one and I'm going to leave the guy on the rock alone. No, storms came for both. Mm-hmm. And the rock, the, the, the wise man's house stood because it was built on the rock. And what was the rock? People will often say, well, the rock was Jesus. Well, technically what Jesus said the rock was is when we listen to his words and we put them into practice. And do them. 
So it's not just information that we take in, it's information plus application mm -hmm. that leads to transformation that builds our lives in such a way that it has the fortitude to be able to withstand any storm that comes. And so peace for us is not the absence of storms. That's what we often want to think. It's like, mm -hmm. cool, life's good. Things seem to be going well and it's serene and it's calm. No, no, no. Peace is the presence of God in the midst of the storm. Mm -hmm. That was such an incredible testimony. And those were just snips from the entire interview. If you want to hear that whole story, you can go to a YouTube and look up Cypress Church and Davy Blackburn. It's an incredible story. Um, and his testimony is incredibly life-changing. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives. <laughs>